You're listening to a Big Finish production. This is the Big Finish podcast, official release date, Monday the 11th of December 2017. Hello, you're listening to the voice of Benji Clifford. And now, you're listening to the voice of Nick Briggs. Yes, we're two entirely different people, but one of the things we have in common is that we love stories. Which is lucky, because so does Big Finish. (laughs) Yes, because we at Big Finish are the proud purveyors of the finest audio drama known to all sentient beings. Doctor Who, Torchwood, Dark Shadows, Blake 7, The Avengers, The Prisoner, Survivors. You can even find out more at bigfinish.com. That's right. And coming up on this this vast journey that we call the podcast, the <laughs> Big Finish News Headlines, followed by all your favourite podcastery, listeners' emails, our guest star interview, the randomoid Selectatron, a roundup of our latest releases, and a 15-minute tease of one of our latest productions. Mm. I just heard a, a noise going... And I, I heard that. that. And it was literally me. <laughs> I was making that noise without knowing. I was just leaning back and going... <laughs> What's that oh. noise? And it was me. Oh, no. That's very weird. Uh, our guest star... <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Nothing happened to me. Our guest star interview is with actor, comedian, writer, generally lovely person, and the latest incarnation of the meddling monk, Rufus Hound. In fact, he's so interesting that this podcast only features the first half of his interview. You're going to love it. And our 15-minute tease is from the new Countermeasures Series 2. Group Captain Chunky Gilmore, Rachel Jensen, Alison Williams and Sir Toby Kinsella are back. Back! In the 70s, in fact. Vintage sci-fi action. Mm, and right at the end of the podcast, we're still continuing with our bonus Dark Shadows feature with producers David Darlington and Joe Lidster giving us more on the inside track on the series. Right, Nick, you ready? Hold yes. on to something because <laughs> it's time for the news. <laughs> You're doing my noise. <laughs> Uh, with our meddling monk interview with Rufus Hounds coming up later in the podcast, it's time to give you a very early tease of the fourth volume of The Third Doctor Adventures, starring Tim Trelaw and Katie Manning. The first story in this box set is The Rise of the New Humans by Guy Adams. Here's that tease. Fascinating. Some of this equipment is far beyond current Earth technology. This heart monitor, for example. Look at the patent notice on the side. Baranian Medical Industries. Wow! 2127! Well, this poor chap is being maintained by machinery pilfered from a hundred-odd years in your future. What do you think is wrong with him? What isn't wrong with him? If this man was being treated by conventional Earth medicine, he'd have been dead long ago. Good grief! He's all right, old chap. He's quite all right. Joe, we've got to get out of here. He's got hold of my wrist. Inside! I'm on fire! No, no, that's it. Let go of him. That's a good fellow. He'll be all right. Come on. 
That wasn't, of course, an episode ending. Just a little flourish by Benji there. How's it doing? You're working on it now, aren't you? I am indeed, yes. It's fresh out of the Benji production house. Um, it's, <laughs> it's certainly, yes, yeah, it's, it's certainly great fun. And on that particular clip, um, I, I actually, I added the little... Uh, Doctor Who sting at the end. That's what I'm saying. That's why I said it's not an episode ending, just a flourish. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just kind of thought because everything know? got resolved, and then you put that in. Yeah, I just kind of thought well, we better well, have a cup of tea. I just kind of thought, well, it'd just be nice at the end of the clip to have a like sty- stylish, mate. Stylish, S- stylish, pointless, but but stylish. You know, point- pointless. That's what that's what they call me down the old uh, the old mill. Here he comes, old pointless, stylish Benji. Now, is that the same voice as your pedestrian from the last podcast? No, no, this one I, I call Toothless Simpleton. Um, he's not toothless, he just <gasps> oh. talks in, in a sort of slightly crooked way. Yes, he talks like that. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh my, my garbells turn into Jeffrey yes, Bell. No, Wessel, Wessel, oh, Wessel, my garbells gone off again. 202. Oh, Wessel. But of night, hoot not. Hoot not. It's a Baildon off. <laughs> Can they out Baildon each other? I quite literally a Baildon of hay. <laughs> I know that Salme Dalme Adonai. That's what he shouts as he jumps off the top of the castle, Cat Weasel. It is. They are his his very se- secret magical words. I believe. I think they're the words of um, his time travel stuff. And he's got this sword of a damcus which hangs from his neck, a sort of little glowy wand. Oh dear, I was just having a bit of a yawn then. Uh, not about cat weasel. I'm sorry, was that, was that boring you? <laughs> Excuse me, are we keeping you up? I do love it though, because... That's um, that lovely sarcastic phrase. I love it. Am I, sorry, sorry, am I, am, I, am, I, am I keeping you up? Am I boring you? <laughs> I do love it though with Jeffrey, because he, um, when you see, he occasionally did appearances sort of later on for his own little fan club, the cat weasel <laughs> fan club. And he had he would always wear the the, the Adamkus around his neck. I thought it was so nice. And there's a I believe they've they've erected a, a statue, a bust of him, um in uh where in one of some I can't remember where it is, but it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's really well done and it's got all the little Normans from the title sequence. Is this somewhere, you know, where they originally filmed? I uh, believe Cat so, Weasel yeah. Um, you, you're looking it up, aren't you? I'm looking you? it up, yeah. Um, mm. I, I feel I'm going to have to go on a pilgrimage. <laughs> but also somebody's found the, the field where Wurzel Gummidge uh, was filmed and they've, um, and they've also, uh, there's like, they put little effigies there to Wurzel, lots of little things. Yes, uh, it is... Um, Cat Weasel bust commissioned by Cat Weasel Club, but it doesn't doesn't say where it is. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, there there you have it, folks. F- <laughs> find find it if you can. Yes, yes. But but b- bird of night, who not? Uh, yeah, just nowhere says where it is for some reason. It just it just shows. Well, write you in great- and tell us, folks. If you're standing next to Cat Weasel's bust, oh, hold on, Brickin works. Brickenbury Conference Centre in Brickenden in Hertfordshire. What is the significance of that locale? Um, to Catweasel fans, it is better known as King's Farthing, the home of Lord and Lady Collingford and their son Cedric in the second series. Oh, the Catweasel. second series. Wow. Yeah. You see, Geoffrey Belder didn't like that one so much because he didn't get on with the uh, Owlfish. Oh, yes, Owlfish. Carrot. Carrot. Carrot was his, yeah, carrot at the farm. Electrically. 
in the second series he developed this strange little kiss curl on the top of his head. yeah I don't know what that's about I, I, I find it slightly weird it's slightly strange I don't, I don't understand it but but you know I suppose perhaps they want to what is to. this trickery what is this electricity electricity <laughs> well, that, I was watching the second series again with my son and he was really enjoying it yeah Oh, just to please me, obviously. But it's, Hates but it's it really, good old, it's good old-fashioned magic, though. There's oh, nothing. Great, there's nothing it? particularly. Uh, I think with Cat Weasel, there's nothing. Okay, it's dated at times, but it's so simplistic. You've got yeah. he's marvelled by things like tractors, and uh, what is it? The light bulb is the sun in a bottle. And yeah, the telephone is great, the, te- the telling bone. Oh, I love the telling bone. Oh, the telling bone. Oh, mighty what was it? Mighty wizard, teach me thy spells. <laughs> <laughs> it is just so beautiful. I feel like just stopping the podcast now. I'm going and watching it. My favourite line actually is, um, "Da, thy disbelieving dreg." I love that. <laughs> oh, I'm going to use that one more. Oh, yes, yeah, so there we go. Um, that, after yes, that, that uh, yes. weasel fest, uh, let's carry on into the news. Yes, and finally in the news, something to get you in a Christmassy mood. It's Doctor Who Short Trips, O Tannenbaum, read by Peter Purvis. It's Christmas time, there's no need to be afraid. The TARDIS has landed in a winter wonderland, and the weather outside is frightful. Sorry, I had to do that in the voice of, uh, yeah, you go to you. A world of dread and fear, and it's not just the frost that's cruel. It's Christmas Eve, but will the Doctor and Stephen get to see another one? And of all the trees in the wood, who really bears the crown? Here's a sneaky snippet. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, Short Trips, O Tenenbaum. The inside of the cottage was, to be polite, cosy. It seemed to be just one room with a set of stairs leading upwards in the corner. A fire flickered in the grate, but it looked undernourished and on the verge of extinguishing. There was a shabby armchair, a table. That was pretty much it. Offsetting this shabby decor was a splendid Christmas tree in front of one of the windows. It had been gaily decorated with coloured string and fruit and shiny baubles and cinnamon sticks. Candles were attached to several branches, although they were unlit. And the smell, it was even more captivating than in the forest. The combinations of pine and orange and cinnamon overwhelmed me with memories of my own childhood Christmases, even though we never had real pine trees, snow, cinnamon or oranges, or, if I'm honest, any real idea of what we were actually celebrating. I recall asking my mother what Christmas was for, and she just shrugged and said, Any excuse for a party? Big finish. We love stories. I did say that was the last bit of news tonight, but I was, of course, forgetting to tease you with some stories of horror, romance and intrigue. No, not Benji's Christmas present list, (laughs) or indeed a description of his unique and scary Christmas stocking. I'm talking, of course, of Dark Shadows, Shadows of the Night, available this month. Here's a teaser, and there's an owl. Owl face! Dark Shadows... Shadows of the night. Jude, ever since that amazing moment of truth in Grace Church on the night of your recital, I have been consumed by you, 
My every thought is of you, us, and the future. I don't know how Amy became so confused as to think it's her you love. I realize this has made our meetings awkward, and I thank you for your sensitivity to her feelings. However, I feel the time has come to make public our love and to disabuse Amy of her illusions. But please, sweet Jude, let her down gently. And then I see him again, outside the cafe. Outside the cafe, and he's watching us. He's standing there, and he's watching us. And I know it can't be a coincidence. The Dark Lord must have sent him. And he's come after me because of what we did, because we escaped. So I, I jump up, and I run through the cafe. I push open the door, and I run out into the busy street. And he's gone! The two of us spun around. Roger. Framed by the light that sliced through the rest of the dark, he was gagged and bound to a chair. We ran toward him, and the moment Elizabeth removed his gag, he said, No, stop what you're doing. I suggest you simply do as they say. I was about to ask who they were, but my question was answered before I spoke the words. Two flashlights clicked into life, the beams shining in our faces and hiding the identities of their operators. Bethany continued. Ice would fill the house, she said. Then furniture moved, doors slammed, books flew through the air. And all the while, she would be immobilized, her body frozen stiff with invisible hands that pulled and stretched and burned. Gingerly, she pulled off her sweater to reveal ugly purple bruises on her wrist, across her torso, and down her back. Dark Shadows is a big Finnish production. Ho, 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 ho. Sounds like Father Christmas. Oh, ho, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> That's my um, Brian Blessed. Brian Blessed, I was going to say. Merry yeah. Christmas. Oh, God is alive. I can't do it. <laughs> And one more final, final, final piece of news. There are loads of final pieces of news. Uh, Podcast news, in fact. The Big Finish podcast will be continuing over the Christmas and New Year period, but will be in reflective mode. Yes, reflective mode. Oh, yes. Bird of night, hoot not. (laughs) Bird of night, hoot not. With some interview specials recalling some of our most exciting interviews or interesting of 2017, along with some affectionate reflections on some big Finnish classics from a number of ranges, uh, plus the RTs for the future. Oh, and can I just mention the first Doctor Adventures, which Ooh. I was just just talking to Benji about. Indeed. And uh, here's a teaser. Attention, citizens. The broadcast will begin in two hours. It means we are stranded on destination, child. No! If we are trapped in this place and time, we must make use of the resources we have. So where are we this time? The TARDIS could tell me nothing. Is that because of all your improvements? Recalibrating the ship is a very delicate procedure. I'll thank you not to mock, young man. Barbara, look, I think we're still on Earth, but after our time. Is this 
really the future. I am the master, and you will obey me! No, you don't. I put that in. Like that, you, you slip that one in there. Nice, nice little wild card for you. That's the thing, you see, with, with this podcast. Is that Ooh. people listening, you know, they think, oh, this podcast is going to talk about what's happening at Big Finish. Yes, but you have to keep your ears peeled because we do a lot of ah! Jeffrey Bailden in print. No, we, we, Someone just peeled my ears. It was very just, painful. Oh! Um, because there are a lot of teasers here. We do a lot of clips and exclusives and things which yes. you might normally hear. Uh, anywhere else, so it's always worth keeping those ears peeled, Wazzle. <laughs> I made them, you know, out of a mangle, Wazzle. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, yes, anyway. That is the end of the news. I don't know what to say, really, other than I'm going to stick it in a bottle, throw it in the sea, and if you just happen to be sailing by or on a raft escaping a desert island, then it's from me. There we go. Time now for listeners' emails. Now, because uh, everything gets very hectic over Christmas, there won't be any listeners' emails over the Christmas and New Year holidays. But rest assured that we will be back in January for a bumper edition, taking in all of your Christmassy New year emails. So... Don't forget, as it says here on the screen. <laughs> Don't forget. No. Don't forget, lassie. Don't forget. Hey, honey, oh, you I can... missed out the O. Don't, uh, don't shoot the writer who's rubbish. All <laughs> right, well, if you want to, you can email us at uh, podcast at bigfinish.com. Uh, that's podcast at bigfinish.com. Uh, that's a squiggly at in the middle there. Um, yes, oh, chestnuts roasting on an open fire, emails bustling in my inbox, yes, it warms the cockles of my seasonal heart. Yes, and mine too, Wazzle. I need to stop, <laughs> sorry, I'm just... Oh, look at this email straight away, right up from Jason Arbuckle. Hi, Wazzle and Aunt Sally. <laughs> you couldn't make it up, could you? Oh, yes, yes. My good friend, Jason Arbuckle. Yes, yes. Welcome to Scatterbrook Farm. It was still me. It was still me going... <laughs> <laughs> don't know what's the matter with me. I'm a mad. creaking door, basically, aren't I? <laughs> somebody, get, somebody fetch the, uh, the WD-40. We need it, need it for Nick. <laughs> Don't know what that noise was. I don't know. Um, yeah, that was Benji kissing a cat. Come here. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> oh my god! I can see you were just preparing to do a whole epic routine on cats then, and then a little bit of sensibleness crossed your face. You went, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not, no, no, not, not today. Not today. Strange restraint. I don't know what happened. I just can't. No. Yes, for all you listeners, by the way, we've got a bit balmy. It's our second podcast today, you see. And, oh, uh, we've gone crazy. We've gone crazy, you oh, know. Oh, crackers, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so anyway, probably should get on with this email. Well, uh, hi, Wurzel and Aunt Sally. Yes, welcome. No, I've done that. Um, I have a new job. No, wait, stay with me. It's relevant. Uh, long drives have meant that I have been able to get into the big Finnish classics absolutely superb my third week in the big finished classic range has taken me to spend some quality time with shakespeare 
Love a bit of the Bard. Big Finish continuing their astonishing adaptations. I would encourage others not to be put off by the Shakespeare lingo. I was so engrossed that I I nearly found myself waxing lyrical just like a flippity gibbet. Uh, But I digress. Um, More brilliant directing from Messrs Hancock and Edwards, and once again I was lost in the soundscape so brilliantly developed by Neil Gardner, James Dunlop and Howard Carter. More effective when driving in the dark, I think. I could go on about the performances of Alexander Vlahos as Hamlet and David Warner as Lear, and indeed they are superb. But I feel I feel a special mention should be made of that big Finnish stalwart Terry Malloy, a breathless and indeed breathtaking performance as Polonius in this has followed on from his standout take in Frankenstein. We sometimes forget what a radio genius he is, and not once was thinking, "Ooh, Davros is in this." Would love to hear him develop into a Doctor Who companion. Wouldn't he be awesome with Sir Tom? Anyway, uh, next on this classic merry-go-round, I'm heading to the moon and I'll bring you back some cheese. (laughs) Very nice too. Uh, Just wonder if there are any more bard plans in the offing. Uh, I will leave you one word. The Scottish play. That's more than one word. Three words. Three words, Jason. Three words, words. Where's your speaking head? Um, (laughs) Be seeing you. Jason Arbuckle sent from my iPad. Mm, no, uh, Pads, what, what are you having a drink of there? Just tea, just tea. Right. Nothing, I, nothing. You had to look at the cup before you decided that. Just more oh, tea. It's because, it's because I went to pick it up and I, I, sort of, I picked it up in a strange way and then was confused by how it felt and then looked at my hand and realised... It's got a lot of classic World War II planes on it. Is that a Lancaster bomber there? It is, yes. It's the British RAF... Uh, Wellington, the Lancaster, a Hurricane, a Spitfire, and a Bristol Beaufort. What do they use a Bristol Beaufort for? Well, interestingly enough, um, there are two types of plane. The Bristol um, uh, Beaufighter and the Bristol Beaufort. The Beaufighter was like... Come on, his favourite subject. The Beaufighter started off. uh, They're basically, they're sort of, the Beaufort was like a light sort of bomber in a way. And the Beaufighter was even lighter form of kind of fighter bomber did you just blow away but interestingly enough just... my my <laughs> my great uncle jimmy was shot down in a bristol beaufort over the north sea on a flare dropping mission wow. so, so the bristol beaufort which is mainly used by the australians for some reason it's like trademark more as an australian raf what plane. were they doing dropping trousers in in the sea <laughs> well it was a clearly a, a fashion statement <laughs> <laughs> terrible oh. Um, yeah, so with Shakespeare, um, of course, Nick, uh, I, f- I feel we should mention that it is up for a award, is it not? Oh, that's right. King Lear is up for uh, a BBC Audio Drama Award. And Lear's not so, been out for too long, has it? Obviously, this version, not the actual play, has been out for hundreds <laughs> of years. But the actual audio drama, it's fairly fresh, isn't it, really? Fairly fresh, yes. <laughs> it's fairly <laughs> fresh, yes. That voice actually it reminds me of an actor called Hal Morgan, who we employ quite a lot because it's the voice. It's a bit like the voice, the high voice he does for the um, the curate in our Martian Invasion of Earth thing, which is an adaptation adaptation of War of the Worlds, which I'm listening to at the moment. He speaks in a very high voice, Ooh. very high voice indeed. Yeah, 
He's I'm an interesting curious. character, the curate. He, the curious curate. Yeah. Is he one to watch? He's one to listen out for. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No plans for for and uh, no plans for more Shakespeare at the moment. And also, um, I agree with you that Terry Malloy is a radio genius. He's incredible. He can turn his hand to anything. I think. Yeah. One of the standout performers for me in the Big Finish archives of people that we use. Yeah, he sometimes does stand out. Sometimes he comes in and sits down. Sometimes he just sits in the loft uh, <laughs> for some reason. But no, he's very versatile. And I think you can yes. see that if with with uh, Terry Malloy's um, huge body of different work that he's done for us, not just Doctor Who, but all sorts of ranges, really. Yeah, he was in Survivors right at the beginning and was really, really brilliant. He was, wasn't he? Really good. Mm. Stuck stuck at the airport, I believe. That's right, yes, yes. Uh, Next up, this uh, from May Lewis. Hello, fine fellows. I'm writing this with two intentions. One, to ask a question. I was wondering, do you ever get any funny outtakes when recording your fantastic audios? I imagine that some of the Doctor Who audio cast don't always get their lines bang on, and I bet they provide some decent entertainment after a long day of editing and recording. Uh, who's the biggest offender when it comes to fluffing up lines? I think it's just fluffing. I don't think you say fluffing up lines. Um, well, uh, I would say about that, that may that it's it's one it's two issues you bring up here in this question and i've mentioned them before i think in podcasts we want actors to feel safe in the working environment of big finish we don't want them to feel that you know if they happen to make a mistake because they're working under pressure because we work very quickly i don't want them to feel that they, if they happen to muck something up that we're going to parade it around like uh, like there's some kind of incompetent because everyone makes mistakes in their working life and actors when they're you know speaking vast amounts of text in a very short amount of time you know are bound to make a mistake now and again <laughs> although many of them never do which is kind of spooky i mentioned mark elstob as the prisoner he is kind of and, and david tennant as well they you know those two actors jump out at me as people who who, who never so much as trip over a syllable that's quite incredible um so yes that's the first thing so that's why we don't do it the other thing is that phrase you had to be there a lot of things that we find funny at the time uh you know things that later on and if you don't if you weren't there it's then just not funny so i think it might sound a bit self-indulgent i'm always wary of outtakes. I think I mentioned before when I brought this up that um, when Martin Montague very kindly did that lovely uh, podcast all about my 10 years as executive producer, to punctuate it, he just went through all the things he'd edited that I'd done, all the Sherlock Holmeses, uh, and put in all the mistakes with me messing things up. So it just sounded like people were being rather nice about this completely incompetent actor. <laughs> and I remember thinking, that's really funny, but I sound like I'm useless because every single bit of me in this is me messing something up. So you know what I mean? It's, I'm sure Martin didn't mean it harshly, but uh, it just seemed like, uh, yeah, it, it seemed not so much a tribute as a kind of slagging off. <laughs> which frankly i deserve so that's all fun. so that's why we generally don't do that i think on very 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 rare occasions the other things is that you know the other thing is that if you know actors 
most of the outtakes are extremely rude mm. so we couldn't possibly use them anyway the second thing I wanted to discuss says May is a big thank you uh, while I was born in this century Mark, were you? I'm a very big fan of classic Doctor Who and actually prefer it to New Who. Okay, takes all sorts. Um, it wasn't always easy trying to convince New Who fans to dip into the classic season, and I was often alone when I wanted to discuss which Romana was better or whether K9 was better in the old days. I always wished that I had lived in the time when classic Doctor Who was airing, and when I found out the stories were continuing on through Big Finish, it's safe to say I freaked out. She's freaking out. Fuck up. It's a freak. Um, I, Le Chic. Yes, that's what we will be known as from now on. May Le Chic Lewis. Uh, I honestly, I hope you will write in with that name in your new email address. I honestly cannot think. I honestly cannot thank. I can't think because I can't read it out. <laughs> I honestly cannot thank Big Finish enough for continuing on the stories of characters that I love so much. It's hard to believe how well the cast of Doctor Who can still portray their characters after all these years. You wouldn't think they'd aged a day. So thank you so much for everything you've done for the Doctor Who fandom. Keep on keeping on and don't forget to buck up with four exclamation marks, which is highly irregular, May. They should be in groups of three. Groups of May. three or not at all. Ah, buck up. May Lewis. Thank you, May. That was lovely. That was a nice, nice email there. And it's as, as somebody that, that grew up loving the classic series, I say that as if I had a choice because it was the only Doctor Who I had. Uh, I can say that it, it is difficult getting people who... who didn't grow up with it to, to get into it but I like to think it's like a hot bath you know people are a bit scared to take a dip but once they're in that's it it's they don't, they don't come out in a hurry that's for sure uh, there we go <laughs> I don't know what that analogy is all about it's like a hot bath once they're in they just want more bubble bath um, yes I literally start drinking the bubble bath yeah please don't do that there are some horrible statistics about that um, That's your catchphrase, isn't it? <laughs> Alan Partridge, mate. Of course. Of course, if you cough, you might get a bubble coming out. Anyway, uh, I, I digress. Uh, and finally then, <laughs> this one is from Brittany Schlosky. Now, Brittany uh, and yeah. Jessica yeah, are the, the twins from Chicago TARDIS, who we met. Uh, for us, it'll be last week, but in this podcast, it'll be two, two weeks, weeks ago. ago yeah. And they're two lovely people and amazing cosplayers as well. Uh Particularly, uh, they did they did uh, the twin dilemma, didn't they? On our, yes, was that, our, was that our first our first panel, wasn't it? Yeah, and then, and then, and then on they the did second the... one, they did the um, the inf uh, inferno uh, brigadier. Yeah, that's right, there. the brigade leader and the brigadier with oh. the dueling scar on the, uh, the the eye patch. Very then, very good. And then there was was there Patrick Troughton? I can't remember. I don't think I really saw them on the on the the final day, so I can't. I can't remember clearly. It was the final day was a bit of a blur for me. Yeah, I'm a bit I know. Of a yawn I'm, for you, <laughs> but I'm still exhausted from the whole thing. I haven't quite recovered because I've come straight back. Was slightly ill, but had to get on with the rest of countermeasures, you know. So I've been working solidly since I got back. Oh dear, what a shame! You're working on things you really love, Nick. Stop <laughs> moaning. Buck up. Buck up. Go to bed. <laughs> go to your room. Uh, yeah, so anyway, this one here. Go from to your room. Go to your go room. Go to your room. Love it. 
That there is your your Ninth Doctor voice there, which you can get from the night. Is it the Ninth Doctor Chronicles? Is it Indeed, called? yes. In- Indeed, you do. There we go. So yes, this one's from Brittany Schlosky. Dear Nick and Benji, I'm writing this to you on my phone whilst on the car ride back to university after Chicago TARDIS. Brackets, don't worry. I'm not the one driving. <laughs> That's good because that would be worrying. I'd be more worried for the people in front because you wouldn't see them coming and it'd be a big big pile of anyway you're not doing that so we don't have to worry about this there are some worrying statistics about that there are there really are <laughs> don't 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 as much as i love emails don't email and drive guys it ain't cool uh, my sister jessica is this cool is this co- <laughs> I know what you're referencing. (laughs) Is this broken windscreen cool? Um, Yes, anyway. My sister Jessica and I are currently listening to her newly purchased The Lives of Captain Jack Hartness to pass the time, and we're loving it so far. While she hasn't... Pardon? I said few. Oh, I thought... While she hasn't listened to the podcast yet, she says she will now, so hopefully I'll have nagged her enough into starting by the time this podcast airs. There you go, you've got two weeks from when I'm reading this, so it's a good amount of time. Um, yeah. For, so yeah, Fuck up, Jessica! And if you're listening, Jessica, then welcome to this crazy world in which we call the podcast, where you'll get none of the in-jokes and just spend most of the time confused. However, in a month's time, you will be part of the, the jokey crew. Yeah, and the jokey crew. <laughs> uh, the jokey crew. <laughs> We're going to die. Uh, Jessica and Brittany, I have one question for you. I'm not sure whether I asked this of you um, that when I saw you at the convention, uh, which is when there are twins, one of them is always the evil twin. <laughs> I only say that because I know another couple of twins um, who are magicians and one of them always says that his his twin brother's the evil twin, which which I think he just out of fun agrees with, you know. One of them usually smiles more than the other. I'm making massive, slightly patronising generalisations, but if if one of them... I mean, I'm imagining Jessica's the evil twin because she's not listened to the podcast before. Yeah, that's my strike me as an evil move. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. cool though that two twins both are into Doctor Who. That is lucky because isn't it? But that's because that's you know everybody wants a Doctor Who buddy, and especially if you grow up and you're like no, no, nobody around me likes likes Doctor Who much. You know you only have to you have to wake up in the morning and be like yo, who fancies Castrovalva? And I yeah. think it's safe to say there'll be two seats filled in that house. Uh, <laughs> These, I don't know, I'm just like some terrible disc jockey, aren't I? <laughs> and it'd be safe to say. <laughs> uh, yeah, so anyway, continuing this email here. Um, I just wanted to take a moment to thank Big Finish for coming to the convention. It was so nice to see you again, Nick. And Benji, it was a joy to meet you. I hope you enjoyed your first time in America. And I hope to see you both come back many more times in the future. Absolutely. <laughs> Loved it to bits. It was really good fun. Really good fun. And thanks for having me in, in the great... US of A, have to admit, yeah. I, I had a blast. Well, it's like, a lovely, friendly convention, Chicago TARDIS, isn't it? I've never been in such a, a place with so many people so sort of happy and like mm. chatting, and, and there's a lot of love in that building, which is nice. It's a really, really cool place. So mm. thank you very much. Uh, Jason and Lisa were also wonderful. That's Lisa you, Greenwood, isn't it? It is Lisa Greenwood. Uh, and you all uh, were a highlight of the weekend. Oh. 
Uh, I can't wait to listen to everything I bought this year, including the Behemoth, which I also picked up at Big Finish Island. Hmm. That's that's the name of where you can purchase uh, stuff at the convention. It's not an actual island. Please don't get in boats and sail off. That would be <laughs> that would be horrible, quite frankly, because it, it's like a mirage. It doesn't exist. Um, it does, but it, um, speaking of Big Finish Island, uh, if it were a real island, what would it be like? And if you could only bring one thing to the island, what would you bring? All the best, Brittany. P.S. Thank you for the kind comments about our costumes. We were the twins, if you don't remember us. No, it's really nice to know that people appreciate them, even if they are a bit cheesy. Well, you already heard the comments yeah. this podcast well, you had cheese in them as well did you that's mm. interesting make sure next time bring some nibbles as well because cheese and crackers and, and bits and bobs they go together rather nicely but yes Nick Big Finish Island yeah I'm what would you have on Big Finish Island I can imagine palm trees with box sets hanging off them instead of coconuts <laughs> like the whole dark eyes like catalogue like hanging <laughs> off a tree Oh, here's a ripe dark eyes. What would I have? Is that like a big finish product I would have on big finish? I, I'm going to I'm gonna be the rule smith here and say yes, because that keeps it relevant. Otherwise, it would just be, be a crate of Stella and a footstool. Um, no. <laughs> footstool. Well, he knows how to enjoy himself. A cheese sandwich and some pickled onions. Um, <laughs> and a copy of the Daily Express. To burn, yes. Um, <laughs> you've got to keep warm, haven't you? Um, now then, uh, the prisoner. I'd have to take my the, the prisoner. I reckon. Yeah, I like to listen to that. Ooh. Endlessly fascinated by my own work. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I if, if I was, I did that I, noise again. <laughs> it's becoming your thing. Very weird. It's Nick deflating there. What's worrying about that noise is that I do it without knowing I'm doing it. That, that's the main thing. I mean, the noise in itself is fairly unremarkable, but it's the fact that I hear it and think, what on earth is that? And it's me going... <laughs> I love it as well, though. What is it? The noise is fairly unremarkable. As in the, the idea that a little bit of it is quite remarkable. <laughs> oh, God. As for my um, big finish, the release, I'll, I'll follow Nick down the thing. I, th- I think I'll bring Survivors Series 3, mainly mm-hmm. because um, it's so utterly miserable that I like to think <laughs> if, if I was stranded on, on a desert island and could listen to it, then it would make me feel incredibly happy about yeah. being stranded on a desert island. Because I think well, your least... life would be better. Exactly. Than... I think, well, at least yeah. I'm not stuck on a horrible boat in the middle of the ocean with nasty people running around and, and grim stuff. You know, so that's what, but I like to think if I was on Big Finish Island, uh, there'd be plenty of releases to listen to. So that'd be the snag, wouldn't it? There's lots of releases, but there's nothing to play it on. <laughs> and they're a really, really annoying yeah, thing, yeah. wouldn't they? You could have, I know, you could have a, a subscription to every Big Finish release on download, but no computer. <laughs> no <Brilliant>. power outlet. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh dear. Never mind. Wax cylinder next time, folks. So, yes, yeah, so thank you so much for that email, Brittany. Uh, lovely to meet both you and your sister at Chicago TARDIS. And I'm sure our paths will cross again. And that, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, is the end of the emails. See you in January, folks. Can you believe it, eh? <laughs>
time now for our guest star interview. And it's with Rufus Hound, no less. Or indeed no more. The actor who portrays the latest incarnation of the meddling monk. He's also been in uh, the Doctor Who TV series and is a performer, stroke comedian and writer of note. Very well known in the UK. He recently came in to record Rise of the New Humans, which, of course, we mentioned earlier, for the fourth series of our uh, third Doctor Adventures. And uh, I took time out to, um, to, frankly, to grovel a bit. Here's part one of the interview. So, Rufus Hound, welcome to the Big Finish podcast. I finally made it. <laughs> have you ever heard it before? Uh, have Be I heard? No, I don't think I have. Oh, but, oh. but but that's more to do with me being an idiot and not looking for one than it is that I wouldn't have listened to it. Oh, well, it's on it's on the homepage on Big Finish and it's, it's on iTunes, you know, it pops up wherever podcasts yeah. do. Right, well, I, I will rectify this forthwith. Now, there's some set questions for this podcast, but of course we can elaborate. Oh, exciting. <laughs> Thank God, I felt so constricted there for a moment. <laughs> yes. can't. Uh, yes, I, I would just make an observation, it seems to me, because, well, the first question is always, when did you meet me? Well, yesterday. Yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go, that was quick. And I would say my, my impression of you, having uh, uh, seen your work for many years and also meeting you, that you're sort of fearless aren't you? Is that... Oh, that's exciting. You have a fearless quality about you. Well, uh, I think that I... What's bizarre is you may as well just said you're the world's most handsome man. It's, it's <laughs> very hard to know. I've, I've, that's hugely complimentary. It, the business of being an actor... Uh, well, the business of being a performer... Well, the business of being an artist... <laughs> is that you... Well, Matt Berry, um, I was once talking to him and he told me about being at art college and his art teacher saying, uh, what you will learn here at art college is how to do art. But whether or not you will be an artist will be defined by whether or not you're prepared to get your nuts out. And getting your nuts out and walking around with them fully on display... Um, and other people will look and they will point at your nuts and they will say you are not meant to have those on display you are not meant to be walking around with them uh, out but your job is, is is just that and and that that is it what you make what you create will be seen it will be judged people will have thoughts about it they will have thoughts about it that are absolutely a million miles away from what you intended them to think about it um, you are not in control of any of those things, and yet whether or not you will continue as an artist will be defined by your ability to shake all of that off, get them back out, and keep walking around. Um, now, the God's honest truth is that I don't think, to continue this analogy past breaking point, I'm sure, I don't think the moment that you get them out you ever think this is absolutely fine this is perfectly so there's nothing weird or wrong about this but I think that the longer that you walk around with them out the less having them out is your first concern so with doing stand-up the first you're so exposed it's just you you're on your own you are representing the material you have written you are representing yourself and your abilities 
that experience and doing that for 10 years certainly kills a huge part of the trepidation that most people feel when they step on stage certainly actors as part of a company or on stage or in the theatre it always strikes me as quite odd when I'm in a company of actors who have never done stand-up that their fears and their anxieties and their insecurities are as close to the surface often as they are but I recognise that I had all that time, all that stage time of just standing there being judged and realising that worst comes to the worst, nobody dies. You know, a little part of your soul, mate, <laughs> a little part of your, you know, yeah. of what you, how you judge yourself and how you feel about the world might suffer. But the, the big picture is take a deep breath, dust yourself down and, and get on with it again. So I think there is a kind of a fearlessness that comes from having taken that route to being an actor. But obviously in myself, every time I get a new gig, every time I go to an audition, I'm terrified. And and certainly when I watch things back, I beat myself up because I think, oh, you should have been... You had that and you you had that as an idea and you should have committed to it more. Look at you standing there with a hunched back and a and a raised shoulder implying some kind of hump. Why weren't you 30 centimetres lower than that? Why wasn't the hump even more protruding? <laughs> you know, it's because you, you went 80% of the way there and then just didn't go the, the full distance. Now, it's an odd person to quote as one of the great actors, but I will quote David Mitchell who said the problem about watching yourself back is that every choice is the most obvious choice. Everything you're doing was the easiest thing you could possibly have done. Because, of course, it's you watching it. So you see yourself reflected back and you're like, well, that I can still see me there. That's I, I wasn't acting. That's me, that is. The reason I can validate this... Uh, and, and look, I'm not saying David Mitchell is a terrible actor, but David Mitchell largely plays David Mitchell. Uh, I think he would probably be amongst the first to acknowledge that. Was that I heard Judy Dench say something almost exactly the same about five years later, mm. uh, and that was why she never watched herself back. And you know, she undoubtedly is truly one of the greats. So I, I feel like the process of analysing one's own performance you're never you're never looking at it through an untainted microscope the the lens is always mucky <laughs> yeah yeah definitely <laughs> i feel much better having heard that oh well i hope so <laughs> it's how i make myself feel better so it's as a good. fellow actor it's, it's uh, good yeah, it it reminds me also of the fearlessness thing. Since we're doing a John Pertwee story here today, there's a quote from John Pertwee in one of his stories where he says, being afraid, uh, being brave is not about not being afraid. It's being afraid, but doing it anyway. Yeah. That that's, uh, suddenly came into my head. It seems quite appetite no, here, doesn't quite it? so. Yeah. Um, now, one of the next standard question for the podcast is, what's tingling your molecules about Big Finish at the moment? Oh, well, it's really as a company that as somebody who grew up as a fan of lots of different shows, all of which had a controlling voice at the heart of them who then burnt out 
the people that took over understood it less. And therefore the spirit and the soul of those shows diminishes over time. Especially true of American television where they've got to make so many episodes that you think what you had here was a pretty good story <laughs> that could well have been told over, let's say, two seasons. But what you also had was the idea that unless you got to 100 episodes, you didn't make syndication. So it had to get spread out and spread out and spread out. The one that always cuts me a little to the quick is Fringe. I don't know if you ever saw Fringe. I saw the first episode of it on a plane and I didn't watch anymore. I don't know why. But... Oh, it's a, tremendous yeah. it's a tremendous show. And um, the... The integrity that it has in that first season. So many questions. What's going on? I mean, it's one of those classic things. It's the mystery of it. There's a strange old man with a cow or something. There's a strange old man with a cow. That's what I mainly remember. Yeah. It's... It. I mean, oh, gosh. Explaining Fringe. I mean, where does one even begin? But it's... It, it, it's basically things are going on parallel universes seem to be involved somehow but who's that guy and what does that person want and why are they over there and why are they now doing that and you just spend a lot of time asking those questions the problem is that it should have been done at the end of season three but yet it continues and on it goes and now that baddie who was just a baddie well, now they have to have nuance and they weren't a bad or And yeah, I just, I just wanted you to tell me the story. Yeah. And actually you got past the point where you explained how this was happening and now we're just in the, and how does it play out? And that's always the least interesting thing about science fiction. This takes me back to what do I love most about Big Finish? Mm -hmm. And what I love most about Big Finish ultimately is... It is made by people who understand that unless you maintain the integrity of those stories, of those characters, of that world, that the people that they are selling to who believe in the integrity of stories and the power of stories just won't buy it. And therefore it has to hold itself to a far higher standard. Big Finish makes stuff that absolutely available to everyone but it knows that its core base will hold them to exactly the kind of standard that most television shows specifically um, and even long running book series and things like that but that, that they are held to a higher standard and they have to get it right and so time and effort and energy is expended enormously on just getting it right and also delivering adventures and new stories and new ideas that will light a fire under the people who love the original stories and ideas who am i to disagree <laughs> <laughs> what is tingling your molecules about entertainment generally this is like a snapshot now of what you're enjoying either books tv anything you like theater music um well broader strokes i suppose the thing that's tingling my molecules
And on that cliffhanger, we leave Rufus. There'll be more from him in next week's podcast, when he'll also be joined by some of our best interviews from the preceding 12 months. 12 months. What's 12 months? 12 months. 22 months of Big Finish podcastery. That's right. Well, time and tide waits for now, man, it says here. <laughs> Whoever that... I'm now, man. I'm in the present. <laughs> Never the past and always the future. I'm about the here and now, but we must press on. So it's time, ladies and gentlemen, for... The Randomoid Selectatron. Cue that epic music. We've got here the antimatter. Oh, lovely. Yeah, lovely yeah. old story, this one. But Johnny Morris, um, the, the first Romana and the fourth Doctor. I'm just typing in so that uh, I can... Yeah, also uh, Lucy Griffiths, who was in uh, the Robin Hood series, you know, the BBC one that was on a few oh, years yeah. ago. Which, didn't we do something for that? Or was that? We did. We did do some audios for that a while back, yes. There we go. And Jane she... Slavin as well, who, little did we know, Jane Slavin here... And Tom Baker in a story together. Yes. Yeah, and now look, look, look how the tables have turned. She is now a companion. You're saying that like it was a surprise. We always had it planned. Well, it was a surprise to me. There we go. <laughs> Jane is often in the Tom Baker stories. Uh, yeah, it's a, here's the trailer. The Auntie Matter. So now the TARDIS is flitting randomly throughout time and space. Yes. Until the Black Guardian gets tired of chasing it, and then it will return to us here in London, eventually. Still, it doesn't matter. I was just going to let him know that I was heading down to... where was it again? Bassadon Hamble. Yeah. Somewhere just outside of it is called Bassadon Hamble. This is your place. Well, it's my country seat. Bassett Hall, you see. The current owner is my aunt though she's come over a trifle odd of late. <laughs> I have more aunts than I know what to do with. Just when I think I have the set, another one pops out of the woodwork when least expected. They're like mice. The errant doctor. Yes. I was wondering how long it would take until you turned up. Give me a moment and I should be able to set it to overload. <sighs> I won't pretend to have a clue what you're doing. Auntie, please, you must stop this. The poor fellow will die. That is rather the point, you abysmal goof. That's it. Are you sure? Nothing seems to be... Subscribers get more at bigfinish.com There we are. Beautiful piece of work. That started off that series uh, for the the fourth doctor which is a bittersweet series for us because it was the uh, only one in which mary tam featured with tom baker's doctor uh, because she sadly died not long after completing recording on the the final story uh, which was a, a dalek two-parter two cd story that i did um, and, oh goodness I really loved Mary Tamta bits she was such a laugh honestly. I've heard nothing but good things about her oh, yeah like yeah. really hugely loved and missed actually yeah yeah in the community but I remember listening to this story interestingly enough 
Um, when I was driving with my friend Tom, we were driving to, not Tom Baker, and we were driving to pick up a Dalek from, this is when I owned my, my own Dalek, and I remember distinctly listening to this one on the way, for oh, some reason, yeah. You didn't mention, it's got Julia McKenzie in, who's, a, who's an acting legend. I, I just was looking, I just, I think I got distracted by, by the fact that I knew Lucy Griffiths, I think, oh. that's all, yeah. I would, you see, it's a generational thing, Julia McKenzie. We're so lucky ever to work with her. I mean, she's amazing. Anyway, there you are, a thorough recommendation from Ran. Uh, yeah, the second series, the beginning of the second series of the Tom Baker uh, Fourth Doctor Adventures for Big Finish. A momentous time for us because, of course, for many, many years, we didn't think that Tom Baker would ever do it. But I'd sort of set my heart on it. And it was my my secret goal when I became executive producer. And thank goodness my heart wasn't broken. Indeed. And we've got and you can still listen to Tom Baker's stuff now. We've got plenty of that coming up, haven't we, Nick? Oh, yeah. Plenty to do. I'm uh, writing one at the moment and I'm going to be directing one in January. There we go, then. So lots to look forward to, folks. Don't miss it. So cheers, Ram. And so, as this podcast dives down a chimney without checking first with the health and safety department, seriously, please do that. Ah! I've burnt me bottom. Oh, 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 oh. It's just time for Nick to round up what's interesting to listen to this Christmas. Oh. It's Christmas! Surely you've caught up with the 10th Doctor Volume 2 featuring David Tennant, Billy Piper? Yeah, of course you have. David Tennant, Billy Piper sounds like one person. <laughs> um, and Survivor Series 7. Join Abby, Jenny and Greg, original TV stars Carolyn Seymour, Lucy Fleming and Ian McCulloch from some, for some post-apocalyptic festive cheer. Unit encounters could be waiting for you under the tree, along with Dalek and Sontara, as much spookiness, Gemma Redgrave and Ingrid Oliver, of course. Imagine finding them under your tree. <laughs> Or you could really get Christmassy with the first Doctor, with Peter Purvis reading O Tannenbaum. It's a real Christmas cracker. But for further delights, don't forget, there might well be something called the 12 Days of Big Finishmas or Christmas going on at BigFinish.com. You never know, it's happened in previous years. Mm, And do listen out for a special Christmas mystery of Sherlock Holmes, The Adventures of the Fleet Street Transparency. Indubitably! Thanks, Nick. Uh, before the latest new countermeasures come thundering into town for a 15-minute tease, let's do the trailer for this podcast. Oh, yes. yes, yes. Coming up in this podcast... Madness. Jeffrey Bailden is, is let <laughs> loose Ooh, all over night, it. Bird of night, Bird of night, hoot not. Uh, we've got Rufus Hounds there giving us some uh, monkery business, no less. Oh, yes. Monkery, yes. monkery. It's countermeasures time, is it not, Nick? Oh, was that the end of the trailer? No, oh, no, no that's no, we're no, still no, doing that's the in trailer. the trailer. No, that's <laughs> countermeasures time in the trailer. Come on, man, buck up, buck uh, up. We've, we've it's got an dark amazing podcast. As well. It's so amazing. It's left us too exhausted to be able to do a decent trailer for it. This has been a terrible trailer for a really rather splendid podcast. Wow. Um, I've just been sent a, a, a clip of something that I really think we should put in, actually. Let me just have a look. What have we got? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, the, um, the Blake 7 um, audiobook anthology called Heroes. Here's a clip from that. 
Callie barely heard the orders that were issued to them. Her mind was clouded, as if she had been covered in a heavy blanket, trapping her limbs and sliding up across her face. She felt Blake's hand upon her arm, guiding her forwards, and she stumbled after him. She heard the rumble of machinery, and then there was the sensation of falling. A lift, she thought. We are in a lift, going down. The door rattled open, and she blinked at the sudden light. Bright light, artificial light. Beside her, Blake gasped. So, the ship did make it, he said, as if from a distance, excitement building in his voice. They made it! With some effort, Callie tried to focus. It was the amplifier she knew that were having this effect on her. If she could find some way around it, find some way to clear her mind. She dug her fingernails into her arm, and the sudden pain gave her a little clarity. Talk about random, eh? <laughs> Mm, Well, we like a bit of random. Okay, so just a reminder that in about 15 minutes' time, we present the next segment of our Dark Shadows bonus interview feature with producers Joe Lidster and David Darlington, provoking all sorts of interesting comment. Uh, But before that, get your flared trousers on for a trip back to the 1970s and a 15-minute tease of our brand new, new countermeasures box set and an adventure called... The Splintered Man. Dr. Cording? There's no time for that now. I gather he's still in there. He hasn't been out for nearly four days. You should have called and told me. At last, he's reconfigured the security access code. Did he tell you what it was? He said absolutely nothing. Javier? You hear me, Javier? It's Henry. Let me in, man. This isn't normal. This isn't like you, Javier. Talk to me, Javier. Just tell me you're all right. We should have noticed the signs. He's always been a bit highly strung, but this is... Look, go back to the main building, phone a doctor or something. Now, Javier, I'm going to turn on the monitor so you can see it's me. It's your colleague, Henry, okay? Come over and talk. Up there you are. Where have you been? The tour for investors. It didn't go very well, to be honest, but I... Surely you remember about the tour I was going on? No. Look, let me in. You can't continue our research on your own. It's too late. We have to validate each experiment together. What do you mean it's too late? Everything. We have to undo. We have to stop it, Henry. Don't you understand? I waited for you. What's that noise? The machine. I waited, Henry. What setting is it on? You've got to turn off. Disengage. No. But the power it's will... It's the best way, Henry. Everything we've worked on. And the knowledge in our heads. It will Get be... me in. I can help you disconnect it. Please, Javier. Adios.
And that's Margaret Bulkley, the first female doctor. She was another woman who embarked on a career in science, but she did it in a rather unusual manner. Anyone want to guess how? Well, I'll tell you. Margaret Bulkley pretended to be a man so she could qualify as a doctor. It's not actually funny, she was risking a lot. But while posing as a man, she completed the first ever caesarean of... It's been a pleasure talking to you about famous females. Oh, what's the point? Alison. How did it go? Dreadful. I don't think I'm cut out for this. How can 16-year-olds be so tuned out? I only agreed to talk to them as a favour because my friend asked me. Hang on. Weren't we meeting at the post office tower? Something came up. Why have you got a suitcase? I'm going away. Oh. And so are you. I took the liberty of packing a bag for you. I think I got a good range of outfits, although I favoured summer clothes as it's pretty hot out there at the moment. Where's there? Barcelona. Obviously. Sir Toby... Toby wants us to investigate a scientific research establishment. Or rather, what's left of a scientific research establishment. There was an explosion, and Toby has been informed that sensitive research might fall into enemy hands. Dealing with enemy agents has got to be easier than dealing with sixth formers. <laughs> There's no obvious reason why it's taking so long to get to the terminal. It's just heavy traffic, I suppose. Our driver looks as frustrated by it as you do. It'll just be all the holiday makers. Don't tell me they're all going to Barcelona. A lot of them will be. And the Costa Brava. Well, thanks to the boom in package holidays, we'll probably miss our plane. And I've just thought of something. Has Toby booked us on one of these package flights? It was all that was available. Oh, joy. Something tells me this is going to be a bit different than the French Riviera. So, tell me about this lab. Before it blew up, the lead researcher was Dr. Javier Santos. He was working with a British scientist, Henry Cording, one of the foremost scientists. Henry Cording? Do you know him? Huh. Seems like a lifetime ago, but yes. Were you friends? You say the whole research establishment was destroyed? Yes, it seems so. What uh, field were they working in? They were making breakthroughs in solving world hunger. Interesting. But why do enemy agents want to get their hands on that technology? I suppose whoever controls the food controls the world. You are English. What? Oh, I feel bruised all over. I will speak English for you. Do not try to move too quickly. You're not a doctor. What uniform is I am Mariana López of the Brigada de Investigación Social. I thought the police would be here. Not you lot. This is a serious matter of national security. Tell me what happened at the laboratory. I don't know, really. The whole building just exploded. What research were you engaged in? I'm 
afraid that is on a need-to-know basis. And you don't need to know. We will see. The medics brought your things to the hospital. The things that survived the explosion. Your briefcase. I was holding it at the time. I'd just come back from... Oh, no. Is that all that's left of my suit? It is missing a leg. Luckily, you are not. Tell me what you were working on, Dr. Gordy. I want you to go now. And I want you people to stop sniffing around. I'm not going to tell you anything. You hear? I will return when you are rested. Thanks for trying to drown it out. Weren't there any hotels that were actually finished? Not with availability. At least we know we'll be alone in this one. Just us and the builders. Lovely. Ah, Sir Toby. Ian. Hello. Ah, that's a shame. I thought you might have air conditioning in your one. Never mind. Look. Sorry not to meet you at the airport. Oh, we had a tale from the Spanish Secret Service, so we had to give them the old run-around. It's fine. Please take a seat. They're very interested in anyone who might be here to poke their noses into the wreckage of the laboratory. But we've clearance from the Spanish government, don't we? On paper, yes. On the ground, we have to tread carefully. Uh, you couldn't pour me a glass of water, could you? There you go. Now, our notes on this are sketchy. I'd hope that our new computer system in the post office tower would pull together more information for us. It's got a few glitches. But here's what we have got. Dr. Javier Santos was the head researcher. No photograph, I'm afraid. His equipment malfunctioned and blew up the laboratory. He was inside at the time and died instantly. The authorities have cordoned off the site and it's guarded. I've instructed them that nothing should be moved or taken away. So some of the artifacts survive? There's a lot of mess down there, but we think various research notes and things may have. So, Alison, can you get down there and uh, see what we've got? Of course. Where do you want me? I want you to visit the only survivor, a Dr. Henry Cording. I feel I should say that I know Henry Cording. Oh? How? He was at Cambridge with me for a couple of years. One of the other labs, but we used to have tea breaks together and um, went out a couple of times. Oh, I see. Do you think Henry still has feelings for you? Oh, I've no idea. Could be useful to play on any feelings he might still have. Oh, I don't think that would be the right approach. Maybe I should go with you, Rachel. If you wish. Just find out all you can. Now, where can I get a decent cup of tea around here? That might be difficult. Uh, which bed is he in? I think that's him up at the far end. Hello. Now, you two don't look like Spanish police. Although I'm sure they'll be back to quiz me again. So who are you? People from the embassy? <laughs> Not quite. It's Rachel Jensen. Rachel? A 
of course. I didn't have my glasses no, on I'm when group I... Captain it must be, what, a good few years since I saw you. That's a sight for sore eyes. Sorry I'm not more presentable here in my pyjamas and bruises. Don't worry. It's a wonder you survived. Why did Dr. Santos I very nearly you? didn't survive. The doctor said if I'd been ten feet closer, I'd have lost my legs. What happened? Well, he'd been behaving erratically. Before I went away, we made a breakthrough. So when I left him, he was jubilant, excited. But when I came back from the tour for investors, he changed. I say, you wouldn't mind helping me to get to the bathroom, would you? Um, oh, of, of course. So, what was your breakthrough? <laughs> a tomato. Sorry? We made a tomato. Not grown from a plant, but created in a laboratory. And we made it in a matter of minutes. Mm. Now, here we are. Uh, Rachel, why don't you meet us on the hospital terrace in a moment, eh? Come on, Captain. Uh, well, if it's all the same with you, I'll, um, I'll wait outside for you. See you on the terrace, Ian. Uh, Rachel, could you pick me up a coffee on the way? I'll see what I can ah, do. Ah, ah. Henry! Henry, are you all right? Uh, help me! He's got a knife! Uh, no, he's in trouble. Stand back, Rachel! Get him off! No, he wants to get waiting! Uh, Careful, Ian. Don't let him get away! Uh, you stay with Henry! Come back here! Are you okay? Uh, yes, I think so. <laughs> he didn't manage to stab me. He must have seen you approaching the bathroom and he sneaked inside. Who was it? I've no idea. The balaclava covered his head and he didn't say anything. What are you doing? Taking this as evidence. Come on, let me help you back to your bed. The bludger got away. Oh, no. But looks like you got a souvenir. I ripped his balaclava off. No idea who he was. Why would someone want to attack me? My guess is that it has something to do with the research you were working on. Someone wants to get their hands on that knowledge. Yes, your magical mystery tomatoes. Ian, not helpful. Now, I suggest that the captain stays here to keep watch over you, Henry, just in case the attacker returns. I'll tell Sir Toby what's happened. I don't need you to nursemaid me. No, trust me, I don't like this any more than you do. Ah, here's another one buried under the debris. Excellent. How many have you found now? Four cassette tapes. Well, three seem intact, and one probably needs some tender loving care to make it playable. And this bundle of papers seems to be the only actual notes that survived. What about any of the machinery? Oh, all totally destroyed. To the extent that I couldn't even tell what machines did here. Well, that's amazing. What? There's a small cage here. Under the bricks. Could you help me? Yes, yes, of course. Ah. They're still alive. Dusty and dirty, but alive. That's what I'll call them for now. Dusty and dirty. 
two white laboratory mice. So we've got a few notes, some cassette tapes, and a couple of new pets. It's not much to go on, is it? We'll have to use what we've got. If you get back to the hotel and start listening to the cassettes... Buenas tardes. Hello? I am Mariana Lopez of the Brigada de Investigación Social. I wondered how long it would take for this lot to poke their noses in. A few leftovers of Franco's regime. I'm Sir Toby Kinsella. Pleased to meet you. This is a restricted site. You should not be here. On the contrary, we have clearance from your government. This is a shared Spanish and British research site. So now we join the Dark Shadows team for some invaluable insight. Hello, I'm Anna Maria Everett. How did you get cast in this? Joe asked me. He said, when are you going to do something that I've written? And I said, the second that you asked me. And I just actually come home that night from being on stage and I just got a lovely little message. Are, are you interested? Is this something you'd be interested in doing? And I went, absolutely, for so many reasons. And then when I saw the scripts, I thought the writing was great. I loved the challenge of the four different characters in two days. I love the fact that I, you know, that I died. Am I allowed to say that? I've yeah. died twice. And I've never died in 22 years of my career. So it's been everything. It's just, yes. How did you know Joe in the first place then? Well, it's just, it's just, yeah, friends are friends. And it's just been over the last few years, I've gone to see things that Joe has written and in our social circle. And then that friendship has, has built and, you know, on a professional level and now on a social level as well, which is it's great. And that's sometimes how it works in this business. I've, I've known Alan for over 10 years, I think. We, we actually both went to university together in Ireland where we both uh, studied journalism. And then uh, we both decided we did not want to be a journalist. So Alan uh, came over to the UK uh, to train as a writer and I came over to train as an actor. So we've obviously kind of had that journey together and we've worked on various other things, short films, plays. So he kind of brought me to the attention uh, of the, the Dark Shadows family and then I was approved and brought on board. I know Joe Lidster from doing some fringe theatre with him. He wrote for the Pensive Federation and I, when I began working with them, I was assigned Joe Lidster as the writer, which I was very excited about. And he wrote a short 10 minute mini musical. Kate Donaghy was in it with me, who is the younger sister of Alex Donaghy. So Alex has done some work with Dark Shadows recently. She's got a regular gig. Oh, a regular gig. Oh, we can aim high. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, and then I did some work with Joe about a year later on a show called Lidstock, which was a short uh, shorts night based on all the writing of the wonderful Joe Lidster. And then from then, he brought me on board for Dark Shadows. My memory of Lidstock, certainly, is, as well as the show being great, is of Davy saying to Joe immediately afterwards, I want Sydney and Dark Shadows and Joe was like, I'm way ahead of you. He says, I've already decided that I want Sydney and Dark Shadows. That's so. really nice to hear. But Bless absolutely, you guys. because those shows, you were, you you always got a great variety. Like, it was a brilliant addition piece for anybody who wanted to come and see these things. You kept seeing you doing Different something things. else, something else and something else. I will say, now that we're here, that that is the wonderful Delec Latif who gave me those opportunities 
and yeah, got me here today basically because she she kept giving me stuff and she kept giving me material to challenge me and stuff that I've never played before. So th I will say it's a mixture of Joe Lidster and Dalek that, that I'm here today. Dalek standout shadows as well. She's been, I think, a maid and a priestess. She's typecast. Fantastic. Wow. Good Lord. Well, I think we found our missing maid. Oh, she's been beaten. The boyfriend? Don't hurt me again. Let me handle this, Tony. Here, take the flashlight. My name is Zara Symes. Have you done audio before? Not as a, a writer. That's definitely new for me. So it's it's interesting to sit in one box rather than the other box, but it's been great. So, yeah, how do you describe yourself then if you act and write? What do you think of yourself as being? Uh, uh, I'm a slashy. Mm -hmm. I'm a writer slash actor. No. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I don't really know what comes first anymore. Um, I think that they feed into each other really nicely, that the, the dialogue that I've been performing over years has, I guess, informed my writing of how to write dialogue a bit. You know, I never pinned you as a hopeless romantic. Why does being a romantic have to be hopeless? How can you, of all people, not think love is hopeless? You must have manipulated a dozen men in a dozen countries into thinking themselves in love with you. I have used hearts. And I have had my heart used. But I continue to hope. The writing sort of came about accidentally. I had managed to blag a meeting with some important production people because I wanted a part in their TV series. And uh, the conversation actually started turning more towards, well, what else do you do? Which is always a really bad sign when you're an actor. Like, what's, <laughs> what's your backup plan? Like, oh, this is not going well. Um, but uh, yeah, they sort of, we just started talking about writing and I had sort of, I'd blagged a bit. I told them that I had written something when I hadn't and they offered as a favor to read it when I had when so I had to actually write the damn thing yeah. and uh, and that ended up being a TV pilot that's a sort of dark crime with a amoral female protagonist and uh, that's now under option with yeah. the, the production company so that's there and then um, I've just written my first feature as well feature-length film so that's uh, a biopic historic historical biopic what about the acting scene? I played the crazy girlfriend of the main character in a film called Happy Birthday, Toby Simpson, which just won Best Feature Film at the British Independent Film Festival. I'm, I'm not in it very long. I'm, I'm in, at the beginning. I'm basically the catalyst. But I am crazy. I am crazy. I am, oh, I'm properly crazy. I'm the catalytic event that made, made the protagonist go on the journey that changes his life because I'm so damn horrible. <laughs> <laughs> so is that, um, there's a couple of commercial bits. I, I've, I'm the hands of Finnish <laughs> cleaning products in one commercial, so that's a, obviously a career high for me. Yeah, just a few sporadic things. I just did a short film last week called Man Up, which is about male bodybuilding. I play the girlfriend of the main character, I'm playing a lot of girlfriends, um, who who uh, starts using anabolic steroids to beef up, and it's all about his discovery about what it is to be a man and, and that kind of thing. As a woman in the business then, having doing both sides, yep. do you find it particularly more of a struggle? I would definitely say so. There's there's a lot more roles that are supporting roles than lead roles. And I don't know, you know, it's, it's how long is a piece of string kind of question where I might just not be right for the lead roles. I, every actor is very, very different and everyone's look is very different. So... And I, I do find that there are trends that happen as well with, with my acting. So there was a, a period of about six months where I was just getting teacher role after teacher role after teacher role. And then there was another period where I was getting like two or three nurse roles um, back to back. So I think if you ask any actor, they're always going to tell you 
it's so hard and it is it's a, it's a very difficult business does it feel different in the writing side than being a, a woman writer you know what i'll let you know <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's hard to say because i i've had some really great general meetings mm. off the back of my feet uh, my tv pilot script because i think mainly for the reason that it was a female role that was very dark and I had feedback from men who had read it who asked why is she so unsympathetic like how am I meant to like this woman and I had a whole bunch of female executives who were like this is fantastic like I totally get this and it was just really interesting to have that kind of you know women want that kind of thing and, and men perhaps don't understand it as much or at least from a, a critical side where they're like well how am I going to sell this to people it has to be good for, to watch for men as well and I'm like well I, I, I'd like to think that there's nothing there for, for everyone. Speaking of strong female mm -hmm. parts for yep. actresses, Dark Shadows, the TV show and the audio, mm -hmm. have a lot of strong female parts. Well, that's, that's the reason I'm here. Yeah, well, that's yeah. the reason I'm associating myself with this with this series, because uh, the I think you should flutter, flutter some eyelashes at Mitzelitz and Dr. Darlington and say, <laughs> are you looking for that? Hello, I, I do all of the accents, all of them, uh, except Bostonian. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'd, I'd love to get involved just anything with mm. the series. I think it's a fantastic team. Everyone's been so supportive and wonderful. The thing is, they're great editors, and they, they're very knowledgeable. It's lovely working for these people, because they're all like, geeks yeah. and like me and that's great because then you actually feel safe <laughs> if you have any flaws they're going to help you iron it out yeah. and they're a great team and they bounce off each other and they really care and they're passionate about it you're all here because you just because love doing it you know was it a show you had been aware of before well i used to be really frustrated because i used to, i knew of it as a kid and as a kid i was you know obsessive i spent my time watching american all the older well they weren't old then sadly they were new i spent my time watching anything americana and i loved the fact that you know this the americans are obsessed with history and they're obsessed with with their past because they don't really have much and i think the idea that dark shadows was was an invented past you know using mythological creatures the most only america at that time could have thought of a horror soap you know, we're so staid and polite with what we do in television in this country, but America just thinks so out the box and still do, still does, you know. And this, this, I just was fascinated with it. I couldn't believe that we couldn't see it. You know, I was, I stuck with Crossroads, but I would have loved to have seen Dark Shadows or I would have loved Meg Mortimer to... You know, get fans. They did have the the whole horror soap thing going on. I remember as a kid because you had the monsters and you had the Adams family and you had all these kind of comedy. Well, they, yes, they, they had the horror sitcoms. Yeah, the horror yeah. sitcoms. And, and, and Channel Four came along. We could see all of those, but yeah. we couldn't see Dark Shadows. And I suppose Crossroads was the closest because that was absolutely bonkers. You know, I remember one Christmas Day, Meg Mortimer had all of the staff, and it was on on Christmas morning, and Meg Mortimer turned had all of the staff in the in her little room and turned to the camera, there was a piano player, and they said, oh, give us a song, Meg. And she said, oh, no, 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 I can't. And then obviously went, no, key of D, key of D. <laughs> and then started to sing We Need a Little Christmas from the musical Mame and turned to the camera. And everybody in my family thought I'd invented that. And actually, you can look that up on I've YouTube. Seen it. I've seen it. It's one of my favourite things. Kathy Staff, you know, looking, <laughs> looking aghast at having to nod along to, to Nolly singing. I mean, wonderful. So I do think Crossroads was our dark shadows. I just think America does horror far better than us. I know everybody will... Well, Britain's the home of horror, arguably, but... 
it, it's oh, just I amazing. Think, I think that Hammer had a good go, didn't they? I mean, you think of all those old Christopher Lee movies and things like that. Well, they like are in the amazing. Day. Yes, they, they were pretty, and they fun. They always make me think that they're in the same kind of world as Dark Shadows as well. Yeah, like I, was, I, I, I would imagine that Dark Shadows was probably more inspired than Hammer than it was by Universal. My fellow acolytes, the summoning worked. Is, is that? A... I take it back, Tony. I'm afraid it is. Only we could get lost in the English countryside and find ourselves trapped in the Wicker Man. I think that's part of the fun of it that you spend. I mean, a lot of my entire career has been spent doing, you know, TV stuff and things that have where you're playing very realistically. Even if you're playing quite a large character, you're still playing it's full for realism. And the chance to, with Dark Shadows, you can really have some fun yes. with the character because the characters are larger than life and the scenarios are larger than life. The stories are extraordinary and they kind of sometimes don't always quite make sense, even though they do make sense. You know, they're, 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 they've got, you have to buy into. Yeah, well, I like the, the, I like the fact that you're saying that and you've just recorded mine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was thinking actually more of Carriage of the Damned. <laughs> <laughs> where towards the end, the weird things started happening to people for the most strange. But you can't reasons. examine it. You see, <laughs> you sit there. You can't examine what no. you've written because you th if you unpick anything like this, you'll have nothing. And they come to, <laughs> exactly. They it'll come just to... be half an hour of creaking doors. If your head and shoulders get stitched onto somebody else, I don't know what happens <laughs> in Carriage of the Damned. Yeah, it's something yeah. really strange because he, yeah, he's. But I'm loving the idea of you saying having done TV because you've done Coronation Street. I've done a bit of Corrie, yeah. And um, I can't imagine that also being a soap opera. It's not that similar. The Dark Shadows, though. <laughs> no, but talking of the ethos of the original Dark Shadows show, Corrie's one of the few shows, or it was one of the very first shows to, you know, to, to take up the the process of, of making an episode um, or everything being shot in such a high sh schedule. You know, their processes are so much that, in a way, the actors are in the same position. You know, you walk onto set, you might have had 30 seconds to look at your script and just do it. I think there's a, a saying in radio, which is, uh, radio is the theatre of the mind. So I think oh, that's yes, what you that's were trying to say yes. before. No, Radio correct. is the theatre of the mind. The fact is you become, as a listener, complicit because rather than just having it there on a plate like you do with a movie to an extent, here's the sound, here's the bang, this is where you jump, here's the picture, everything's there. You create the story in your own mind. You see it your own way. You hear it and you interpret it completely for yourself. I love the fact that it's so theatrical, Dark Shadows. Mm. I just wish British soaps were more theatrical. <laughs> the, the, the whole rep feeling that actors came back and played other parts I think that's brilliant mm. and I wish they did that in soaps now having written on soaps for a lot of years you which know, TV you, ones did you do? I wrote um, that one set on the farm and oh, I, I wrote some doctors as well that was sort of like more of a an exercise in sadomasochism though than creation they're getting better though really I think so I, I think, don't I think, think there seems to be it seems to be I don't watch it but I, I, I did have a friend who directed for it and I started taking a look at mm. a few shows and I have noticed there does seem to be a distinct <laughs> effort to improve the, the standard of acting I think the directors have to be brilliant because yeah. they have to do it so quickly but um, the show itself you know two million viewers I think half of them can't get out the chair to turn it <laughs> off well you look like death good morning to you too Rita I was out late with a client oh yeah which client Mr. Beam or Mr. Daniels I love 
writing the character of Rita Channing and it was lovely to be the first person to write it because you could actually set set the voice of the character and and and, and that that was nice to sort of see that working through the other scripts see her her stuff it's always nice it was lovely in soaps when you wrote the first episodes of characters because because it just felt a little bit special so I love doing that there was one other part cast which is recorded in America the part of Rita I think there were so many people you got excited about so and so could do it so and so could do it because you just kept thinking of brilliant ideas mm. for it how oh, did my you ideas are brilliant. Um, <laughs> I was I mean you as in uh, everybody dear right. <laughs> when did it come up that because she's Jerry Lace's wife, Jerry Lace's Jerry, wife. sorry we should say it's Julia Duffy, Julia Duffy um, yeah. she's Jerry Lace's wife and she's I mean she's an amazing experienced actress yeah. uh, you know and I can't remember who first suggested you know, was it Jim it wasn't Jim no it wasn't Jim no it didn't go through Jim at all and Jerry's was, never said no Jerry's no, never Jerry, put it forward and said oh I'd like my wife I to wonder be just someone must have just I think been I th- googling or wikipedia or something then that. I, yeah. well it may have been that's because we, yeah. we saw her Cheers episode that's recently, right yes we, we sort of saw, mm. she's in a very early episode of Cheers having been up for the part of Diane yeah, Chambers and we um, just were randomly watching some episodes of Cheers and it was just watched that one and went oh she looks familiar and I was like that's Julia Duffy she's married to Jerry Lacey what other things have you done? Highlights of things that you particularly look back on as particularly enjoying? Well, I've been really lucky. I've had across the spectrum, TV, film, theatre. Um, hadn't done radio and I hadn't certainly hadn't done audio drama until now. So I've been really lucky and um, you know, I've got to work with some really great people. Um, I've worked with Daniel Day-Lewis, Judy Dench. Nicole Kidman, and they're all in the same film, which was lovely. I've done some musicals, um, and I've done some great TV as well. I did episodes with Matt LeBlanc, and I actually, well, I built a career in playing Hispanic housekeepers for some reason, which is why I went and taught myself Spanish, which was great, because it landed me that gig. So, but no, I've been really, really lucky. I've done some really lovely work. I want to pick up on this. You learned Spanish because of the type of parts you were being offered? Yeah. Mediterranean. I look, I look Italian or Spanish, yeah. which is why I get called in for a lot of those parts. And invariably, it would always be Spanish accent, Italian accent. So I thought, do you know what? Let's go one step further and, and learn Spanish. So I actually went and did a GCSE Spanish. I think that's brilliant. Yeah, you know, and, um, you know, like I said, it landed me quite a few jobs, but it, it can bite you on the backside because when I turned up for episodes, I didn't know Matt LeBlanc didn't speak Spanish. And I said to Matt, Matt, you're going to have to help me out here. You know, we've got we've got to rewrite this scene. And he wants it all in Spanish. And he was like, but I don't speak Spanish. I was going to ask you. <laughs> so, um, but no, it worked out fine. And um, yeah, no, it's, it's a challenge. And you don't stop learning in this business either. You know, the day you stop learning, you're dead. So have you got anything lined up for the future? Do you know what? It's a double-edged sword acting because you really don't know what's around that corner and it's so insecure. But then that one phone call changes everything. So I'm going to say, I'm, I'm not saying a word. Mm-hmm. I'm pleading the fifth on that one and we'll see what Tuesday brings. Now that we're in October, <laughs> <laughs> you, you will have missed me in several plays. <laughs> um, I, uh, earlier on in the year, uh, <laughs> I was in uh, an Arthur, a little-known Arthur Miller play called Incident at Vichy, which hadn't been put on professionally in London in 25 years. Wow. So in June, I'm due to start, well, middle of June, I'm due to start working on possibly the most terrifying job I'll ever have to do as an actor. Um, I'm doing two weeks in Norwich Prison with three other people to make theatre with about a small group of inmates in there. 
Um, so we're going to be doing theatre workshops with them and, and hopefully by the end of the two weeks we'll have something that we can present. The aim is to make a play, so that's very terrifying and very exciting at the same time. Yeah, so the TV pilot, they've had that for almost a year now and um, I kind of came in at a weird time for the production company because it was a relatively new production company that, that's been run by very experienced producers. They sold off their old company and started up a new one um, and they got unexpectedly three green lights in the course of a month for, yeah. for programs, so my show didn't really get um, shopped around too much. So I'm hoping that they extend the option. Um, I should know by the end of this month, June coming, that um, hopefully that's been taken. Um, yeah, the biopic, I'd love to, to option out to someone. It's a fantastic story uh, based on the true events of a, a woman <laughs> who, um, who walked every street in London to make the A to Z map. It's a lady called Phyllis Pearsall, who I just think has a fantastic story and um, she's a very unreliable narrator in many respects. But um, And it runs the gamut from A to Z. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's called A to Z. Well done, sir. Oh, I, well, I never... It, it, it's, it's odd because there's always loads of projects bubbling away, but what I usually find is that they all fall away one by one. <laughs> no, I've got, I haven't got... I actually haven't got anything. Oh, I'm really sad now. I haven't got anything at the moment. So glad I asked. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> It'll get better. I'm actually making an interesting period of time at the moment because I, I, the whole Dark Shadows experience, because I only became an actor much later in life. I didn't start out when I was young. I started in my mid-40s. And um, really the first time I'd done an audio drama was when I did the original Big Finish. And that kind of set me off in a direction that, uh, has always been on the back burner and as I'm getting older and realizing that you know physically I've got knee problems and stuff that, that, are, that are basically limiting some of the things I can do so um, I've started thinking long term and as a consequence of the work that Joe introduced me to a few years ago I started looking towards developing audiobooks which is becoming quite a big part of my sort of foreseeable future at the moment I've got quite a lot of uh, different series on the go and also it's rather nice to have something that you're in control of as an actor rather than just being at everybody's beck and call and as you say jobs that you think you're getting suddenly for whatever reason don't happen or you know you you never know what's going on from one minute to the next so it's I'm, the the more I, I work with audio based voice based um, the more I realize that actually it's probably what I was always supposed to do because my mum's got a tape recording of me when I was six years old, which I made myself with an old reel-to-reel -reel cassette. And I'd got a copy of the Goon Show scripts, which for some reason my mum had given me, even though I was really young and I could hardly even read it. And I was using this little reel-to-reel -reel recorder to try and record all the parts myself. And I'd almost completely forgotten about that till my mum mentioned it the other day. And I sort of thought, you know, actually, yeah, that was the first thing, my first ever experience of audio drama was there as a child trying to make my own little radio play. So, is the casebook now closed or would you like to open it up again at some point? I would, yeah. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. yes, yes, yes. Yeah, no, However, not tonight, you know, yeah. give us a couple of days off. The only problem we've got is I was saying to Anna Marie earlier on, I was like, the only problem is I just want you four actors back. Because you've been such fun <laughs> over the last two days. And we can't just bring back the same actors. But Although I do like the idea that if the Tony Cassandra Mysteries was a TV series in the 70s, that they'd have done the Dark Shadows thing of having the same guest cast each week. <laughs> <laughs> so each week would have had the same four actors yeah. um, playing that. So, yeah, no, I'd really love also, to do more. I would have had to have Patrick McGoon in it every couple of years. Yeah. 
yes, yeah, yeah. Kind of... and William Shatner, he yeah, starred yeah, in absolutely, it. Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah, no, absolutely, would love to do more. One of the things that we all like about doing it is the fact that we're not we're not just making a new series of Outsiders every six months or whatever the way that we, we could be doing. But we started off making Joe and I when we took over together, sort of thing. We were making the dramatic readings. We pitched to do a serial that was a drama serial. We've been doing short stories. We're now doing sort of spin-off mini series. They've all got their own different flavours. They're all very different shapes of story, and it means that we're not boring ourselves, which we hope means that we've got less chance of boring the audience. So people mm. will really like the fact that everything that we do is a slightly different flavour of story. We've never done, I don't think we've ever really done Dark Shadows in a way that I don't think people would say that, but we've never done it to fill a gap. We've never done it to sort of, oh, we must get a Dark Shadows product out. It's got to have the passion behind it yeah. and yeah. that's what this has had and that's what it would have again but I wouldn't want to get to the stage where we were just churning out another Tony Cassandra adventure yeah. of mystery so in a sort of semi-James Bond way we can say that hopefully Tony and Cassandra will return Dark Shadows Echoes of the Past Are you the Reverend Trask? the boy asked with a look of apprehension on his face I am Trask responded with as much dignity and pomposity as he could muster, which in his case was considerable. What can I do for you, my son? I have been sent, sir, by the family neighboring our farm, who asked that you come at once. You see, sir, they fear that their daughter has been possessed by the devil. I watched him head for the door, the film can under his arm. I thought about running after him. For a brief moment, I considered chasing him down the street, but then I sat back and breathed out. I knew he'd be back. Scene 17, interior, nighttime. The hall of a large house in the Hollywood Hills, run down, empty, abandoned. A title card reads, the following night, the monsters prepare to strike again. Each time I soak in the sight, sounds, and smells of the Collinsport docks, I remember why my hometown is so important to me. I'm destined to be here. Destined to take the stand I've chosen to take. It's the best time of year, late spring. Mid-May when the fish are biting and the azaleas are bursting into bloom. It's almost hard to believe when that breeze licks your face with its promise of the warmth of summer. Hard to believe that at the heart of such a beautiful place lurks evil. It surged through me, across the miles, and into the spider lurking in Barnabas's room. I could feel its instinct to run, but I forced it still. It looked deep into the desperation of the black shroud, longing to be free from my control, but I held it as the power streamed from its eyes. Dark Shadows is a Big Finish production. Dark Shadows, haunting memories. The rain pattered overhead with gentler, teasing fingers. Thunder rumbled in the vague distance, like a bad case of indigestion. The eye of the hurricane was passing. No one dared move. All knew instinctively it was a false, temporary calm, lulling any who believed it into a rushing sense of relief and release. But soon the backside of the storm would swing over and the Banshee terror would gleefully return. In the dark, Lord, I am not alone. I know it, I feel it. Your presence, your spirit close beside me, rushing into me with every lungful of air, 
punching blood through my body with every strong beat of my heart. And Gregory feels it too, Lord. Gregory's heart is strong. But with every pulse, his heart sends blood flowing through his veins and out through the hole in his chest. I was famished, but my need was not for food. I moved my tongue slowly around in my mouth, exploring gently, and then I felt them. The two incisors, sharp as needles. I sighed bitterly. I am a vampire. Correct, he laughed. <laughs> a reedy cackle. But why? I don't deserve such a cruel sentence. When she had exhausted all possibilities and peered down every street and alley of Collinsport, Elizabeth was hot and tired. She was on the point of going home when a familiar shape caught her eye in the window of Collinsport's one and only realtor. Drawing near, Elizabeth recognized a photograph. It was of the old caretaker's cottage on the Collinwood estate. She'd known David was selling it, of course. Elizabeth rested her forehead on the window to cool it, and suddenly, without warning, she saw it again. The face from the past, pressing through the glass against her own, as if to kiss it. Dark Shadows is a Big Finish production. You've been listening to a Big Finish production.